Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Happy to welcome you here. And before I get into the message today, I think it would be appropriate to take a moment just to honor the memories of those uh, 13 servicemen who died this last week, 12 uh, Marines and the Navy corpsmen. So would you stand with me just for a moment to honor their memories? I can't imagine what their families are going through now. And so we just don't want to forget them or just move on from this without acknowledging again uh, the sacrifice that they paid. Uh, helping people, just trying to help people. Let's pray again for them. Father, we thank you for these who serve so uh, bravely, um, who died, Father, trying to help other people, trying to make people safe. I pray you'll comfort their families. Lord, your word says there's no greater love that could be exhibited than when one lays down their life for their friends. So, Father, we lift these families up to you, and we remember them today, and we pray for them today. I pray that you'll comfort them. I pray that your Holy Spirit will just be near and dear to them in a tangible, powerful, undeniable way. We honor their memory. We remember their service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Be seated, if you will. And while we're in that spirit, I think it would be appropriate on this weekend to honor all of you who have served our country in armed forces, if you are an active military member or you have served, would you stand and let us just take a moment to thank you and honor you today all over the room? Thank you. We're so grateful for your service and we're honored that you're here today. We continue to pray not only for what's happening in Afghanistan, but remember to pray for our friends down in Louisiana. I think it's now a cat four that's just barreling in on them, and we want to remember to pray uh, for them uh, that they'll be safe. And I think we have wildfires going on in Northern California, don't we? I mean, good night. Somebody says, what's the world coming to? I'll tell you, it's coming to Jesus, (laughs) one way or the other. It's coming to Jesus, and he's in control, and we want to remember to pray uh, for these folks. Well, we're in the series, as you probably figured out by now, <laughs> called Fishing 101. And the reason we're doing that in this 25th celebration, of, 25th year celebration of our church is we really want to reorient our church uh, to the very reason and the purpose that we exist. And that is to connect people to God and then connect them to one another. In other words, the evangelistic outreach of our church has to be on the forefront of everything we do. Everything a church does or should do is the things that Jesus did while he was on the earth. And Jesus connected with people who did not know him. In fact, the Bible says again, the son of man came. Why did Jesus come? The son of man came to seek and save those who are lost, Luke 19, 10. And so we as a church, we need to do what he did. We started out with that in mind. It's been a driving factor for all these years that we've been doing ministry. And as we celebrate 25 years, we're just recommitting to that priority. It is the main thing. And the hardest thing to do is to keep the main thing the main thing. Because there's so many other things that can get your attention and can take you off course. So you have to to prioritize. And you have to say that the priority is reaching people 
who do not yet know Jesus. I mentioned last week there's a tendency that a church has when it reaches a certain size and it's staffed out very well and it has nice facilities, and the tendency is to kind of turn more inwardly. You get to that philosophy of us, no, uh, us four no more shut the door, <laughs> and it isn't long until a church can become so inwardly focused that you're no longer focused on the people all around us that Jesus died to save. And God has strategically placed our church in this area where literally hundreds of thousands of people live every day, and they're not connected into the life of anyone's church. So the fish are here, and he's called us to be fishers of men, fishers of women and children, fishers of people, and so we just have to simply go where the fish are, and that's really what I want to talk to you about. I want to go back, um, in fact, to Luke chapter 5 again where Jesus has called his apostles, and he called his apostles with this word, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If you follow Jesus, if you know him as Savior and you press into him, he will give you a compassion for people who do not yet know him. You say, well, Bill, I don't really have a, a heart as I should for people who don't know Christ, and how do I get that passion back? I contend that if you press into God and you love him as you should, you'll love other people as you ought. I believe that with all my heart. I think the key to it is drawing into God and allowing him to give you a genuine, authentic passion for people who do not yet know him as Savior. And so we want to be about that as a church. We really want to be uh, prioritizing that in everything we do, from children to youth to, to adult ministry and student ministry to what we do in here. We, we really want to have an eye on people who do not yet know Jesus. And the secret to that effectiveness is getting everyone who calls this their church home to be conscious and conscientious of people around them every day that don't know Christ. And to begin to build redemptive relationships that I talked about last week so that you have an opportunity to share your faith with them, invite them to a church here where I have no problem sharing faith with them, and see what God might do in the lives of those who do not yet know him. So let's go back to Luke 5. Let me look at this narrative. I want to kind of draw some practical applications from it, and then we'll go home. Luke 5, verse 4. When Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, now this is really the heart of what I want to talk to you about, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. I told you last weekend, it's interesting, he didn't say, let's go fish. He said, we're going to go catch. Uh, he's guaranteeing that you're going to catch fish. He's saying, if you do it my way and you do it in my timing, you're going to be effective, you're going to be successful. Everybody who's ever fished know there's a difference between fishing and catching. If you doubt that, just head out to that little tank a little while ago and count the numbers of times you cast as opposed to the times you catch. Jesus is not saying, look, I'm just going to, you know, put you out there and maybe you'll be a He said, no, when you do it, when you launch out and you let down your net, you're going to catch. You're going to reach people. And I really do believe, guys, before I move off of that, I really believe if a church is intentional and purposeful in this process, God will make us effective. He will make us effect. He, we may not reach everybody we go after, but he'll reward the effort by sending us people we didn't go after. <laughs> he always rewards the effort. And so here he's saying, launch out for a catch. And, and I love what Simon Peter says to him. He said, master, sir, we just did that. We, we, we toiled all night and we caught nothing. Now, you, uh, there's a lot of reasons why that might be true or why it was true, but I can tell you why I, I think it happened is the difference between last night and today is Jesus was on the boat today and he wasn't last night. <laughs> and what he was saying to Simon Peter is, look, I know you failed. I know it, wasn't, it didn't work for, for you last night, but I want you to try it again. And this time, try it with me on the boat. 
Look, when you have Jesus on the boat, not only can the boat not sink, but you can't fail. <laughs> He's saying, if you go out and launch out now, you're going to catch, you're going to be effective, you're going to be successful because I'm on the boat. So he's saying to Simon Peter, do it now with me on the boat and let's see what happens. Have you ever stopped to really analyze the mistakes and the failures that you and I have had throughout our life and how many of those are tied to an independence from God instead of an interdependence on God? I mean, I can tell you, most every failure in life, you can directly link it to a prayer failure. Somewhere the Christ follower, somewhere the person failed to seek God's wisdom and his guidance. And as a result, we fished all night and we caught nothing. So I would suggest to you that we ought to bathe everything we do in prayer. We ought to be sensitive to the word of God. He's speaking. God is speaking. It's just we may be too far from him to hear him. It's like if I were to call one of those kids, my grandbabies are across the way. If I started calling them to come over and see me, well, they wouldn't respond not because my word is not going out, it's because they're too far from me to hear me. That happens a lot. We go fishing, we make the effort, but he's not on the boat. We're not close enough to hear him when he speaks. And as a result, we fail in some of the efforts that we engage in. So I'm just suggesting your heart this morning that one of the things you have to evaluate when what you're doing isn't working <laughs> is ask yourself, how much am I bringing God into my world? Sometimes if you're not careful, you do these touch and goes with God on the weekend. We say we're going to go get our church on, <laughs> meaning that when we're done here, our church is off. <laughs> now, I get what you mean, but when you say that, but the reality of it is you really just don't come to get your church on. This isn't where worship should commence. This is where worship should continue. We just come in here to try to rev you up a little bit, send you back out there and continue to do what you were doing, hopefully at a higher level. I'm just suggesting you, though, that when you're doing these touch and goes with God and we're not consistent. Somebody said, we sow to our flesh six days a week and we come to church on Sunday and pray for crop failure. <laughs> so the consistency has to be in the way that we live our life. And so Simon Peter was saying, okay, look, at, I love this. This changed everything at your word. Nevertheless, even though God, I tried it and it didn't work. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And man, when he did this, when he did this, they caught a great number of fish so much as their net was breaking and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. Notice Simon Peter had partners. This was a businessman. He owned more than one boat. He had business partners. They were in business together. People don't partner with people who are consistently failing. So he had a little temporary failure, but this didn't mark the, the balance of his life. And I'm just suggesting you that he had people on board with him, people who believed in him, people who were making money with him. He had surrounded himself by people who shared the same vision and goals and mission that he shared. And so what was cool about that is when God blessed Simon Peter's obedience, everybody connected him got blessed. I think I hit that last week, but it just was so important to mention it again. When you walk in obedience, not only does God bless your obedience, he'll bless everybody connected to you. He'll bless your business partners. He'll bless your family. Anybody that is associated with somebody that's, that's being blessed by God will be blessed by their blessing. <laughs> Does that make sense? It'll just spill over on you. It'll just touch their life in a meaningful way. So Simon Peter, obedient, I'll do it. It worked. He caught the fish. Partners come, and they all gathered these fish into the boats to the point that the boats began to sink. And then notice Simon Peter's humility. And this is important. It wasn't his failure from the night before that humbled him. It was his success that humbled him. 
That's the, the, to me, that was really significant. It, it was not the, the failure. Sometimes failure will humble you. It didn't really humble Simon Peter. It doesn't really register on him. He just kind of put it aside and went his way. But when God began to bless him, he was so overwhelmed that God would do this for him. I mean, th this is money. This is what he made his money from. This was going to bless his partners. This was going to bless his family. He's got all these fish, and, that's, and it's just tied to a simple act of obedience, and he's humbled by his success. There's an old hymn that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. Man, you look back over 25 years, and man, there's a lot of things that we tried that didn't work. And sometimes you can focus on the things we tried that didn't work. Sometimes you gotta stop and look at the things that did work. Look at the thousands and thousands of lives who've been impacted. And sometimes you gotta do that in your own life. You get a little overwhelmed with maybe a season that you're going through that's difficult and hard. And sometimes you, you focus on that and you, you, all, all you can see are the clouds that are in your life. Sometimes you have to stop and say, wait a minute, man, God's been good to me. He's blessed me with a good family. I've got good kids, I've got grandkids. I've got, all the, oh, man, I've got a house to live in, I've got something to drive, I've got food to eat. I mean, you, when you just stop and count your blessings, Sometimes it's not the failure that will humble you, it's the success that humbles you. And in his humility, when he just bows at the knees of Jesus, and what he says to him, if you don't really understand the context, when he says, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. I mentioned this last week. What he was saying is in his religious upbringing, he had been taught that God doesn't come near to the sinner. And that's an important point to make as we're talking about going where the fish are, because religion said you distance yourself from sinners. You remember the, the good Samaritan who stopped to help the man, but he only helped the man after the priest passed him by and the Levite passed him by. Well, the priest was the one who knew the word of God and the Levite was one who knew the law of God and neither one of them, the religion and the law couldn't help this man. And I'm just suggesting to your heart this morning that there are a lot of people out there that, that don't have this kind of heart to, to help people when they're, they're hurting and people when they, they have a, a need because they, they feel like that I'm supposed to distance myself from sinful people. And what happens sometimes, guys, after we've known Jesus for a period of time, we forget, as Isaiah said, the rock he got us from and the pit he dug us out. Can I remind all my crush follower friends who are in the room and are watching, the very best you and I will ever be this side of heaven are sinners saved by grace. And the minute a church really gets into that kind of judgmental mode with a heavy religious spirit where we look down our noses at people who do not yet know God, the minute that starts to happen, people can tell if a church loves them. They can see authenticity. They, they can see if you're genuine, if you're real. One of the things we talked about when we started the church, and I mean, Cindy and I talked about it, and Max and Sharon are here, Donnie and, and uh, Jesse are here, and we've got some of you guys that were in those early first meetings before we ever did anything. We talked about how we really wanted our church to be different in that we wanted to reach people that might not be attracted to a more traditional style church. We wanted to reach people who may have given up on church. Maybe they didn't give up on God, but they gave up on church. And we really hoped and prayed as we put the boat out where the fish are, we could reach a lot of really messed up people and look around. Isn't that great? Look up here, mission accomplished. <laughs> I'm just saying it has to be purposeful and intentional. 
And Simon Peter said, I, 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 you're God, I'm not. I can't be in your presence. And I love what Jesus said. He just said, son, don't fear. I, you, you don't really get, I think in the context, he might've just raised him up to his feet and said, you don't need to fear me. You don't need to be afraid. Uh, he said, don't, don't worry about that. He said, um, last part there, from now on, you're going to catch men. You're gonna catch women. You're gonna catch kids, verse 11. And when they brought their boats to land, they forsook everything, and they said, we're going to a new line of work. <laughs> and they followed Jesus. Let me just touch a couple of things that helps reorient us to what we're about as a church primarily. The first thing is in these words that he gave them, launch out. Launch out. The very first thing he said to Simon Peter is launch out. We, we've been tied in the shallow water. We've been anchored and moored here in the shallow. Now, shallow water is good. It's where Jesus preached from. He preached from the shallow waters, but the fish he wanted to catch were out in the deep water. And so he was saying to them, it's time. And by the way, the shallow water represented security. It represented a sense of safety. You can touch the bottom there. You're okay. You're close to the shore. And he was telling them, no, I want you to, I want you to launch out I want you to go some places that you maybe hadn't been before. I want you to try some things maybe you haven't tried before. And I want you to try some methods. I want you to try some new things. I mean, God's doing a new thing. So let's move from the safe and let's move from the shallows and let's move from the shore and let's, let's launch out. I thought about in those words, launch out. It's the idea of, of, of intentional effort. When you've anchored a boat, it takes nothing to keep it anchored. It takes effort to remove the anchor, to lift the anchor. I mean, once you drop anchor, you're pretty much there. You put the power poles down, you're there. You, you tie off somewhere, you're there. And Jesus is saying, that's good for a season and it's good for a time, but I want you to pull the anchor in. I want you to cut the ropes. I want you to launch out. And to do that, it takes, it takes effort to create momentum. I mean, when a car is standing still and you're trying to push that thing, it takes two or three to get it moving. And once you get it moving, you can put a 10-year-old behind it and they can keep it moving. <laughs> the point is momentum is hard to get, but once you have it, if you can keep it going, it's a powerful thing. And so once you've got the momentum and you can get the boat launched out, it, it, you have to be intentional and you have to be purposeful. So Jesus was saying, guys, I want you to break from the shore. I want you to push this thing out. I want you to launch out and I want you to go, go for it because you're going to get a great catch. I'm going to, you're going to see things you hadn't seen before. We're going to accomplish things together. We've never accomplished before. This is going to be amazing. I'm about to, boys, I'm about to change your life. They launched out. Simon Peter said, man, I'm tired, Lord. I just didn't, you know, I hit that a minute ago, but he's just saying, I'm tired. This didn't work for me. And he's saying, try it again, launch out. I'm on the boat with you. We're gonna see some incredible things. And so they launched out. Notice the second thing they did. Not only did they launch out, but they let the nets down. And I thought about letting the nets down and what that typifies and how to apply that uh, with our talk this morning. And it hit me that when letting the nets down, the nets then would contact the fish. Isn't that a deep thought? They contact the fish. There's a point of contact. The net was the method by which they were going to catch the fish, but the net was only effective when it came in contact with the fish. I'm back to my point a moment ago. Within the first two years after a person knows Jesus as Savior, they have virtually no friendships with people who do not know Jesus. There's a tendency we do have, as I said earlier in the message, isolate, insulate. 
Once we get the net mended, as I talked about last week, and we get the net cleaned, the tendency is to put the net on the wall instead of putting it back in the water. Because I told you last week, when you put the net back in the water, it will break. Anything you use breaks, right? And not only will it break, it's going to get dirty again. So sometimes when you get to a point in life where you feel safe and secure, when you feel this urging in your soul to launch out and to go into the deeper water, there's a tendency to not drop the net. And so you got to drop the, you got to put the net in the water so the net can come in contact with the fish. Luke chapter seven, the Bible says concerning Jesus, he was a friend to sinners. Now understand, if, if you're going to build a redemptive relationship with someone, if you're going to be a spiritual lifeguard, you need to be the strongest swimmer in the pool. In other words, if you can't swim, you can't help people who can't swim. Would you agree with that? Unless they can stand on your shoulders while you're, you know, and try to breathe while, you know, it's not good for either one of you. The point is the best swimmer in the pool is the one that goes into the deep water to rescue the people who can't rescue themselves. So as we endeavor to be the church that wants to go into the deeper waters to launch out, understand, we have to be strong. We have to be strong in our faith. We have to be strong in our walk with God. We have to be authentic. We can't do these touch and goes on the weekends if we're going to be effective at reaching people because they won't buy it. As I said a moment ago, people see through that. There's a word they use, it's called hypocrite. And the word in the Greek literally means one acting behind a mask, one role playing. It's not a genuine thing. And so I'm suggesting your heart, if we're going to be genuine, if we're going to be authentic, then guys, we launch out. We got to let the nets down. We have to come in contact with the fish. And in order to do that effectively, we have to be a strong swimmer. Jesus didn't become sinful to reach the sinner, I guess is my point. He was effective at reaching them because he would go where they are. He loved them as they are. He received them as they were. Great hymn that Billy Graham would conclude all of his crusades with, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. If you come to Jesus, you come just as you are, messed up, broken, hurt, disappointed, a little discouraged, a little. You come as you are. And man, when you begin to reach out and we, got, we catch fish just as they are, you know, it's not my job to clean them. It's my job to catch them. <laughs> he cleans them. I don't know where the dirt is. He does. And so I'm suggesting to your heart that if we're effective at getting out in the water, we have to be equally effective at dropping the net. Everybody ought to be praying about somebody in your circle, in your world that doesn't know Jesus and praying that God will give you an opportunity to drop the net in their life, to share your faith. I've told you before, the principle of effective evangelism is you can only reach people when they get reachable. And sooner or later, guys, our world is going to be so rough and this world is so wicked. Sooner or later, they're going to come to a narrow place in their life where they realize they're not sufficient in and of themselves to get themselves out of what they're into or get through what they're going through without some help. And all I'm saying is you just build a redemptive relationship where you can pull alongside of them and you can put the net in the water and you can just say, this is what Jesus did for me and what he did for me, he can do for you. But guys, we're not going to catch the fish from the boathouse. we got to launch out. And when we get out there, we have to be willing to let the net down. Third thought. Once we connect with them, we, we lift them up. Lift them up. They brought those fish up in those nets over into the boat. 
In other words, it's not just a matter of reaching them and doing nothing with them once they reach them. It's like giving birth and then abandoning the baby. We have a responsibility at that point. We, we want to get them connected into the life of the church. That's the significance of baptism. That baptism is that entry into the, into the identity with the local church. You've taken that first step of obedience. And Acts 2, it says, those who gladly received his word were baptized. Now, we baptize, as you know, obviously by immersion. Some people come from a, 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 a tradition where they, they sprinkle. I've got a lot of friends that do that little dabble, do you? Like old brill cream, you know, just a little bit. Now, we baptize by immersion because it's the mode that the, the Bible teaches. Baptism is baptizo, and the Greek is dip, plunge, or immerse. Uh, Jesus came up out of the water. He did, he, you can only come up out of something you've first gone down into. So we baptize by immersion. And so that's why, that's why we do it. But I see that as an identity. In the first century, that was the identity with the local body, is they would follow his example. It's in the Great Commission, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them then to observe to do all I've commanded you to do. So once we've reached them, when we've lifted them up, and we've brought them into the boat, then we want to get them connected into the life of the church. We want to help them, as I said last weekend, discover, equip them, tie them into the net so we don't lose them, so they don't fall through the cracks, so they can grow in their spiritual life. Why? So that they can help us again on the front end, on the front lines, to reach other people who do not yet know Jesus. So guys, the work is never done, but it's the most rewarding work in the world because the only thing we do in our life that is literally eternal have you thought about this? You can actually make the difference in someone's life, not just for time. Time is helping them through life, and that's important. Time is helping them navigate through some heartaches and some grief. Time is helping them overcome some setbacks and disappointments. We can help people in time, but we help them in eternity, meaning that they're connected with the Creator, that one day when all this passes away, they're going to step in the presence of Jesus, and you're going to see them again. Never, guys, never underestimate the value that you could have in the life of someone else when you share your faith. Launch out, let down, lift up. I've shared this with you, but I want to close with this. Mr. Campbell was a man in Chicago who attended a local church there. A good, a good man, not known to a lot of people, businessman, but he taught a small group. He taught a, a class in the church. And he really was, he was hearing the church talk about the value of, of reaching people who didn't know Jesus. And so he was getting, uh, trying some shoes on and he was talking to this young man that was waiting on him. And the young man started talking about some of the trials and difficulties he, he was having in his life and with his family. And, and so as they were talking, he just felt led. He just felt this, this compulsion to share his faith. And he said, basically, young man, this is what Jesus did for me, and this is what I know he can do for you. Well, the young man was reachable. He was open. And in that little exchange in that shoe store, that young man gave his heart to Jesus. Well, the young man's name was Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody became one of the most famous evangelists in American history. Tens of thousands of people came to Christ through the influence of Dwight L. Moody. In fact, Dwight L. Moody and his evangelistic enterprises was preaching, and there was a, a, a pastor from London by the name of F.B. Meyer that heard Moody. And F.B. Meyer realized, this is what's missing in my church. 
We disciple people and we do a real good job, but we're not reaching a lot of people who don't know Jesus. Our baptistry waters are never stirred with new people coming into the faith. And he realized this is what I'm, this is the passion, this is the fire. F.B. Meyer caught that. And he began to preach and he began to talk to people. In fact, he went on campus. He was invited on campus to speak. And he spoke and a young man on campus who was a student at the college received Christ through F.B. Meyer's ministry. His name was J. Wilbur Chapman. J. Wilbur Chapman, as he was growing in his faith, got involved in the YMCA. And in the YMCA, he persuaded them to have a crusade. Let's do a big citywide thing where we can just invite people. We'll have some great music and we'll put a dynamic speaker and we'll have all this going on. And let's just see if there aren't some college kids and some young adults and some families and some individuals out there that we could reach. So he knew that they would need someone that would draw the crowds to that event. And so they got, the, uh, they, they got a young guy who was right out of the major leagues. He just retired. His name was Billy Sunday. He's a dynamic type evangelist. And so Billy Sunday came and he preached. And there were hundreds of people that gave their hearts to Jesus. Well, sitting out in that audience was a group of businessmen from Charlotte, North Carolina, who saw that crusade and saw the power of that presentation of the gospel. And they wanted to do that back home. So they went back to Charlotte and they began to organize this. And, they, and they, they contacted another evangelist who was very dynamic and widely used in that day by the name of Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham went to Charlotte, North Carolina and preached this incredible crusade. And one night he gave an invitation appeal. And from the back of that auditorium, there was a long, tall, skinny kid, about 19 years old, that walked the aisle and gave his heart to Jesus. His name's Billy Graham. And how many millions of people around the world have been saved because of the ministry of Billy Graham? But you know what? When we all get to heaven one day and God begins to reward the work that was done down here, can I tell you somebody who's going to be richly rewarded, probably even more than Billy Graham, is going to be a man named Mr. Kimball, who was a businessman, just a faithful member of the church who one day felt led to share his faith with a shoe clerk named Dwight Moody. And from that progression, God used step by step by step by step, and Billy Graham became a Christian. Never underestimate what your witness, sharing your faith, can do in the life of someone else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, never returns void. It always accomplishes purpose. And Lord, today I, I pray for my friends here. I don't know what everyone is going through, but you do. I pray this might be a time when we reorient ourselves in a relationship with you that will cause us to have the passion you had to share our faith with people in our circles who do not know you. Father, through someone in the room or someone watching right now who's never trusted you as Savior, I pray this might be the moment when they simply say, Lord Jesus, with all that I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart and forgive my sin. And this is the prayer that I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.